Matthew chapter 6, amen. Luke. Matthew in chapter 6. We're continuing in, uh, this is... Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, and now we're, we're into another section here a little bit. Remember, if, I want to remind you, we talked in chapter 6, so we've talked about uh, almsgiving, okay, and that needs to be between you and the Lord. Then we talked about praying, and your secret prayer life needs to be between you and the Lord. Again, none of these things to be seen by people doing it. Your, your purpose is not, I'm doing this so everybody can see I'm a great Christian, I'm a great person and all that. So we talked about almsgiving, we talked about prayer life, then we went over the model prayer, and then we talked about fasting, same, the same story about fasting, uh, by which uh, fasting is where we get straightened out, not God, okay? And then he begins to talk about what appears to be like he's going back to almsgiving, okay? That's what appears to be, and I would challenge you that all of the previous topics are now being included in what's being said, not just almsgiving, although be, there's some interesting thoughts if we were just to apply this to almsgiving, but I'm not going to do that today. So Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19. We'll start reading in verse 19. <coughs> Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're not done with the topic. Keep keep following along. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Now just kind of as a quick thought, but we're not, he's obviously not talking about literal blindness, because otherwise he would use the word blindness and he wouldn't use the word single. He would, see, he would talk about seeing with clarity. He's talking about something that's a little deeper than the sight of the eyes. Okay? He's talking about the vision, the attention of the soul. Okay? Look at verse 23 again. But if I, or verse 22 rather. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. And now we have a transition verse. And this verse applies both to the text that's just rereading and the next one. Okay, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God 
and mammon, which helps us know that we're still talking about treasures. Okay? The word mammon, if you don't know, uh, is, a, is an ancient word that basically personalizes, it, it personifies wealth. It takes the desire for wealth and makes it a person, a god. There actually was a god named Mammon, but it's the god of wealth. Okay? All right, it doesn't mean wealth is wrong. It means if you worship it, making it your god. So you cannot serve God and Mammon. Let's, let's pray. Father, our Lord, I'd ask for your help in this message. And Lord, I, I pray, Lord, in, in the room that you'd help our minds to be focused upon you and your word and what you'd teach to us, and we'll thank you for that. Lord, we'd ask that you'd help this preacher in the preaching and this congregation in the hearing, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Probably most of you here are familiar with uh, what we would call a keepsake box, a keep or a memories box. Or first, uh, if you're like my dad, it might be a keepsake house and shed and garage. Everything was a keepsake, and later down the road we go through his stuff. They call it the uh, the ephemera. Okay, when when someone passes away and all the the things that are left behind that are they're not clearly of value, like you know, we know what that is. It's ephemera. We look at this and we go, why did my dad keep a receipt <laughs> from Hobby Lobby from 1982? You know, you know. What's important about this? Can't figure it out. Oh well, goes in the trash. <gasps> why would you do that? Because it only meant something to him. And I'm not keeping it because he's gone. It means nothing to me. Otherwise, down the road, we'd have houses. We'd all be called hoarders. I'm just telling you. Keepsake box. We have one. There's some precious things in that box. Uh, There's a few things in that box I hope nobody ever, ever finds. (laughs) And I'm dead serious. Letters between my wife and I. Yeah, we keep them because they're precious to us. But one day, my kids are going to go, eh, I can't believe they wrote this to each other. Oh, my goodness. There's, <clears throat> there's little things in my keepsake box. Uh, my dad and I golfed. We were, we were allowed to be able to golf a good bit when we were in evangelism and, and uh, just preachers taking us out. It was a way for us to fellowship, and we enjoyed it. And I remember just having a particularly good day. Just one of those, I was probably 17, 18 years old, and just, we were out with a big group, and man, I just, I, I played golf out of my mind. And my dad, my dad, and I know, you just have to understand, we didn't have a ton of bucks, but he, uh, he managed to go out and find this little bitty trophy about this big, uh, and it had Snoopy on it, golfing. And you know, it's funny, it's just a Snoopy trophy. It was for kids. But, he wanted to recognize that I'd just done a good job. And uh, so it, it's, it's in my box. And when the kids get it, they can throw it away. That's fine. It don't mean nothing to them. I understand that. But it, it, it gathers one of those things for me to which my heart is attached. You know what I'm saying? I have, I have and just like you, I'm, and I'm just kind of, you think in your own box. I've got, uh, we've got a, f- a few bookmarks that are, are from our wedding that we had, we gave to all of our guests um, 
Oh, probably like some of you, we've still got, I'm sure, the, the glasses and the, 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 the knife from the wedding where we cut the cake and all that stuff. I'm glad we still don't have the cake. That's, but anyways. Uh, I, I, have, I have the badge, uh, my grandpa's badge, from when he worked at the hospital. It was one of his last jobs. Uh, one a job he was proud of, and people, people told us repeatedly how good a job he did at that job. And just one of those things, you know, just a... The, the detritus of life, if you will. The, the things that to us have some importance that to the next generation or the next, they don't have importance and that's okay. It's all right. There's some things in, those, in our keepsakes, if you will, that are important. I've got, uh, we found a painting when my great aunt passed away. She had kept all the, the items of my, of the very first Knutson in the United States. I've got his hat, um, in my, in, my, uh, uh, in my office, I've got the mirror he looked in in our house. Those are cool things. But we had this painting, and it was a painting of the very first house that the very first Knutson lived in the United States. And, and on down the road, while we were looking after my dad passed away, we discovered that my grandpa is the, my, very first, my great-grandpa, the very first Knutson in the very first house, is the one who painted the painting. We're like, oh, that's cool. Well, now this is cool. Like, the whole family wants it, but I'm the eldest son, so. <sighs> My sister's going to try to keep it for a while because we've been trying to reproduce it, but eventually she's going to have to give it up. Sorry, Kim. She might be watching. So, and my son will get that, but that's one of those cool things. Yeah, my, the, my, the next generation might look at that and say, yeah, that is cool. They'll see some value in that. But for me, it's, you understand, it's what's precious to me. Is everybody here? They're, let, let me use this term. They're... They're my collected treasures. <clears throat> that is exactly what this passage is referring to. Not the kind that we keep from a previous generation. But the word treasures, in verse 19, lay not for yourselves treasures, is your collected treasures the things that you have brought together for yourself. And when it begins to talk about verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That word heart is, a, is not just talking about your, you know, your memories. It's the things that you desire, your longings. Your, and yes, your emotions, but your emotions, your feelings, and your desires. The things that to you hold great value. And if I can, I, I think you, you, you might see, I've got these, I don't know if you've noticed, these two boxes up here. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what this passage is presenting is that in your life, your spiritual walk with God, your walk upon the planet, not just your spiritual walk, in all the intensities of your efforts, in all the, the directions of your finances, all the, the use of what you might call your talents, in all the use of your time, you have two choices with which to invest those treasures. Okay? And uh, if you don't know, I will mark these boxes so I've got them clear here. We've got one that is earthly, Earthly box. I'd notice this after I, after I put this together, but this has a spot where I can put a lock. And I'm telling you, people put a pretty tight lock 
on their stuff, don't they? Protect their stuff. And who's responsible for keeping that stuff? I am. You are. Whatever I put in there, if I want it to stay there, i got to keep it there. Right? Okay. And then there's an eternal box. I picked this old trunk because it's one of those that, you know, I don't know, maybe you're not weird like I am, but that's just a timeless piece of work. I wish I could redo it. Wish it, I've got a bigger one somewhere, but this is an eternal box. This has a lock built in. It just locks. I don't have to keep that locked. When I shut it, it just locks. It's done. Hmm, kind of interesting. And that's like it is eternal. Eternal, I know you, look, follow me along with my imagination, okay? You got two boxes. You've got a box that is that you have all sorts of earthly things that are important to you, and you, you put investment in here of time and money and effort. And, you know, there are some things that require t- on earth time and investment and money, okay? Like, most of us don't want to die from not eating, right? Y'all here? But the difference, believe it or not, good job, but the difference is... We can actually invest in eating that is an, has earthly results, or we can, even in eating, we can invest in eating that has eternal results. Well, how do I do that? Well, that's all just for me. Now, does that mean that God doesn't want us to enjoy the things of this earth? I didn't say that at all. God does want us to enjoy it. But it's our choice how we use that investment. I can also stack it away in here so that I have fuel to do the things that God has called me to do. Eternal things and temporal things. In this box, in those days when when Jesus is talking to the disciples, there were only three kinds of riches. I mean, basically, you had had, uh, good apparel, wealthy apparel made out of rich cloth, silk. I mean, those were big deals. So literally, clothing could be an investment in those days. I mean, you understand, which kind of is now, you know, I'm wearing a suit that probably is a, I don't know, two, three, four hundred dollar suit. Or I can go down to Armani and get a $2,500 suit. But they're all going to, guess what? If I put them in the closet and leave them there, eventually what's going to eat it? And the moth don't care whether it's Ralph Lauren or Armani. He's going to eat both indiscriminately. And if I don't want the moths, i got to keep it there. Everybody following me? So riches. I mean, apparel. The other thing that you could put in here would be... Um, metals that could possibly rust. In those days, they had some precious metals that still were either rust or could decay or wear away. Okay? So, and so they'd have that kind of thing. So there was certain kind of metals, maybe armor, or at that time, most metals were, were pretty wealthy at that point. So you'd have, you know, tin and brass and bronze, I think, at that point. And, uh, of course, they had gold and silver and probably lead and some of those things. Some of those things can decay and wear away, does anybody here have your wedding ring and you eventually had to have it like built back up because you wore it out on the bottom? And where did all that gold go? Well, some of it's probably in, in your body somewhere. Others, who knows? I'm sure I left a lot of mine on the floor of the mechanic shop I worked in. But it can wear away. And the third treasure was those things that, are, that can't just, moss can't eat them and they don't just wear away. What would that be like? I don't know, diamonds? They're going to be there around a long time. I mean, there's diamonds and jewels. They don't wear away, but they can be stolen. 
and that's the kind of treasure you could put here. So, and that's, that's kind of the loose thing he's talking about. The very loose illustration is earthly treasures, if I pay a lot of attention to them, they, and, I, and I, you know, this is where I put my focus. Well, all those things, you know, uh, man, I wanted a motorcycle as a kid. I wanted a mini bike. And my dad, my dad liked mini bikes and small engines. And he thought there's a way I can teach my son how to build small engines. So we started getting mini bikes that needed repair. <laughs> so I got to help dad fix them, but then I got to ride them. And man, I loved it. That, that's fun, having those mini bikes. That's cool. You know, I, I loved it. And then I had one that got stolen. And it was my favorite one, the coolest bike I had, and it got stolen. And the worst part was we knew who'd done it anyways. <clears throat> I loved that thing. It was great, man. From the time I was a little kid, I loved those mini bikes, spent out their time riding that thing around, and it got stolen. Yeah, well, that's what happens with stuff. And besides that, if it, if it didn't get stolen, you know I spent some of the time riding and the rest of the time fixing. Yeah, clean out the carburetor, refill the tank, replace the hoses, change the spark plugs, clean off the spark plugs. What's wrong now? <laughs> oh, the little, the little on-off valve isn't working. So half the time I'm maintaining the thing that is my treasure, so I'm maintaining it so that I can keep the... Tre- you all know what I'm talking about? Uh, Brother Dan, Brother Dan Laird, we were joking about, and he has a boat, and we've enjoyed the boat, and he said, well, you know what boat means, right? I said, what? Bust out another thousand. <laughs> and he would know. He's, he's had that boat for a little bit. But, you know, that's the earthly things. They require constant work, don't they? Okay? But when you invest in earth, uh, temp, uh, eternal things, these things that, that in eternity are still there, there, there is no moth that can eat this up. There's, there's not a thing that can cause decay or a loss of an eternal thing. There's no rust that can, that can affect it. There's no, there's no way it can just somehow wear away into non-existence. If, I'm, if I was able to gather you all up and take you back to the original property that the Knutsons had out in North Dakota, there'd be the, the rusting hulks of a, an old, I think, two-and-a-half-ton uh, Ford pickup and a, another car, maybe a Model A, I forget, a Model T or Model A. They're still sitting out on the property, rusting away. At one time, they were probably my great-grandpa's pride and joy. He was, I mean, he was a mechanic, worked on those things, and they were probably all shiny new, and now they're just rust, they, they ain't worth nothing. I mean, you couldn't even get parts off those things. But when you invest eternal things, there's no rust. They never disappear. And there's nobody who can come in and steal it from you. Follow me along. Oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. We get it. No, listen, listen. What are we going back to? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where do you spend? Listen. Where are the investments of your time spent? Where's the investments of your money spent? Where's the investments of your talent spent? Some of this is required. And you know what? There's not, something, there's not anything wrong with some fun stuff. But even fun things done with the right purpose can become eternal. We're not going to remember the sorrows of this world. The Bible says he's going to wipe away the tears, but he never said he would wipe away the joys. You hear what I'm saying? 
Now, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Because we live, we live in a world where we know as believers we have these two opportunities, earthly or eternal. It's funny because when I picked this box up, I chose it to be the earthly one. It still had some stuff in it. You know, there's all sorts of things that we enjoy out of life. Fun stuff. Maybe, you know, maybe you're a weapon person. Maybe you're a goofy person that likes wigs or apparently guns. Maybe, maybe your work is... Maybe your work is what you invest everything in. Well, my, my work? What do you mean my work? I have to feed my family with this. Let me tell you, guys, girls can do this too, but guys, we tend to invest ourselves in, in a work that oftentimes only has, only has earthly returns. And the opportunity that we could have to make it eternal, we don't use. Some of us like, this could also represent authority. I got authority. I like having authority. Yeah, is your authority any good for eternal things? What are you using it for for eternal things? This life wasn't given to us for us, to, and for us just to have a load of fun. I, I just want you to consider this. I want you to consider this. I want you to take something in your life that is completely earthly that you spend lots of money on or time or talent and ask yourself, when, the, when eternity shows up, will it still be there? Ask it and answer it honestly. Will it still be there? No. That all gets burnt. It's gone. Forever gone. We're done. Pointless. Purposeless. But this never goes away. Never. Never. Nobody can, take, nobody can take it away from you. Salvation's a first investment. Total belief and total faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Trusting in his death, burial, resurrection on the cross to pay for all my sin. Amen. To, to make me free and at peace with God. That's the first investment. But after that, every choice you make, every, listen, listen, every choice you make every day, whether it be a work choice, whether it be a fun choice, whether it be a family choice, whether it be a talent choice, where are you investing your, what does it talk about? Because now it begins to say, you know, I'm just talking about choices and investments, but he now ties it directly to the heart, the feelings, the longings, the emotions. What stirs those things up? Is it that box or that box? And you need to start asking yourself some real honest questions. What gets your emotions going? Well, you know, I love this and I love that. Okay, great. You love this and it stirs up your emotions. Will that be an eternity? Will that thing that stirs up your emotions, is that going to be an eternity? Uh, just ask yourself a question. I mean, seriously, you answer it yourself. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget. I wish I, I wish I could remember that lady's name now, but my, my preacher and I sitting with one lady, and we were, we'd been presenting her, her and her husband the gospel over a series of weeks. I wish I could remember her name. It was, it was great. But anyways, her and her husband, her husband was already saved, but she was not, and we all knew it. And he was the one that kind of told us, but we're, we're walking through. And we got to the point where, it, I mean, the whole plan of salvation, she understood every bit of it, and the preacher looked at her and was like, 
All right. I'll just call her Holly. All right, Holly. What are you going to do? Because now you know the truth. And she's like, I, I, I think I need a minute. Can, can, can you just give me a minute? I mean, I'm not kidding. She was all over the map. I'm just emotions and, and preachers like, yeah, no problem. I, you know, this is your decision. Uh, we're not, so we, will, we left the room. But we're just over there sitting. Like, and I'm looking at a preacher going, man, she's under conviction. Holy cow. I mean, she was white knuckling the table in front of us. She's in her 80s, the property manager of a, of a rental area, her and her husband. And all of a sudden, her husband came in just beaming. said, what? What's going on? He said, she just asked the Lord to save her. We went back in. Preacher asked her a few questions. Sure enough, while we're gone, she looked at her husband and said, I just wanted, between, I just wanted my husband to be there, just between me and the Lord and my husband. And, and sure enough, she asked the Lord to save her. So next Wednesday night, now these people ain't hardly ever been to church their whole life, okay? Next Wednesday night, preacher's up there saying, so anybody got a testimony or a prayer request? Boom, boom, boom. She raises her hand. Well, you all know what it means when somebody like brand new raises their hand and you don't know them that well. You're like, what are they going to say? How long are they going to take? What's going on over there? She raised her hand. Preacher looks back and says, Holly? She says, can I just say, since I got saved, I am happy, happy, happy. I'm going to carry that into heaven. I know it. I remember when I got to kneel down beside two nine-year-old boys who had never heard the name of Jesus Christ and present to them the gospel and watch them sit in complete, utter faith. Listen go, yeah, I believe that. Well, would you like to ask the Lord? Yes, I'd like to do it. Two nine-year-old boys. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget sitting next down to, sitting next to an 81-year-old lady 81-year-old lady, my preacher says to me, hey, come on, let's just go downtown and start talking to people. We'll pretend like we're shopping. Like, can we do that? So we're in a pawn shop, and we're like suits and ties, pretending we're shopping. You know, normal metal part of the week, and I remember talking to this, this 81-year-old lady. She's leaning on her cane, and, uh, and I've just mentioned to her about the Lord, and she said, are you a preacher? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm called to preach, and so... And she started the whole conversation, and I got to present the gospel to her. And somebody said, I'm, these tired old bones got to sit down. Can we sit down? We sit down. She had never, in 81 years, had never heard the gospel. Never. No one had ever taken the time to share with her the gospel. And at 81 years old, I was 17, I think maybe 18 at the time, and I got to lead her to the Lord. You, you can't take that away. And some of you have the same stories. There, there's, there's a lot of investments we can make in life. A lot of investments. And we all have time, and we all have talent, and we all have some amount of money granted to us in our time in this life. And I want to ask you a question. In every decision, you've got a choice which box it goes in. In every decision. Is there anything wrong with having stuff? No, not at all. I, I appreciate very much when I, uh, again, Brother Dan's not here, so I can kind of use him, but Brother Dan's heart with his boat was, if there's a preacher in town, preacher, you let me know and we'll take him out fishing because I, I want to be a help. I want them to be able to rest and have a... That's somebody who has a possession and he is purposefully trying to use it for an eternal end. You understand that? I, 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 I understand that. Is there anything wrong with vacation? No. Can there be an eternal end? You know, you know how it is with family. There's when you get comfortable with family. You know, you're, you're, you 
you enjoy yourself and you have conversation, but inevitably with family, it's the one place where the conversation can degrade, probably some places where it probably shouldn't go, and you really don't say what you should say. You kind of enjoy it. It's kind of fun. You laugh. And in the back of your mind or something going, you probably shouldn't be talking about this. Ah, it's just family. I can relax here. I just want to remember there's time, talent, and you're investing something right then. Listen, you're investing something. Where are you in, what are you investing in? Eternal things? All the stuff we got, listen, when, when it comes to eternity, I just want, let's just step into eternity for a second and look at your life. Look at your life. We're now in eternity. Time is done. How much of what you are is going to stay? And I'm not talking about the sinful part. I'm talking about your life, the investments that you have, the, the, the time that you give to things and the things that are, that are important to you, the keepsakes on this planet that you treasure. Come on. How much of it's going to be just burnt up and left behind that to you is like a great big deal? Now, it's interesting. Eyes are brought up here to help us understand that Christ is saying, listen, you need to pay attention. And he uses the terms here. And the idea is the light of the body of the eye. If, I, if an eye is single, and it's kind of interesting, he used the word single. It's a word that can mean single, as in single in focus. Okay? In other words, it's not eyes that are, you know, they see two things or they are drunk and see four things. <laughs> no, they're able to focus and they see, clear, they see clearly one thing. And it's quite clear that he's talking about an eternal vision compared to a temporal vision. If an eye be dark, if this is where you're getting your emotions, your light from, all of your enjoyment of life comes from this, and you're the one that's got to maintain the box, wow, that's a lot of darkness. Because you know what light does, right? Light offers clarity, direction. I can see the path. The idea is if I can keep my eyes on, on eternal things, guess what I have? I have light for life. I have clarity for my future. I, I know where, where God move, is moving me and what is happening to me. I'm over there. It's all darkness. I can't understand this. It's confusion. I don't get it. What's, I don't understand why God doing this. And we look at all these, these ephemeral things in our life that are, really don't mean a, a hill of beans. It's, a, it's amazing to me how many even Christians, they look at circumstances of life and think that that's how God controls everything. When God's already given us some pretty clear directions, He doesn't need circumstances. Not saying he doesn't take advantage of them. That's what Romans 8.28 says. But here's the directions. Undivided attention. What is he saying? He's saying in that whole passage about light, he's saying, you know what, believers? If you're a believer, you, you, need a, you need to lose sight of that box. You need to leave it behind. You, you need to start focusing on this, this and this only. Now, it doesn't mean, well, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. No, all earthly things that we have and use can be, can be made to, for eternal purpose. They can. They can be used for eternal purpose. The food I eat can be used not as, not as purely an enjoyment for myself, but a fuel to help the work that the Lord would use me for. And on and on we could go. Single, single focused. If your eye is broken, blinded, unfocused, it's dark, darkness. You can't see, it's all dark. What do you do in the dark? You run into stuff. You trip. You don't know where you're going. It's lack of clarity. Man, that's, and if that's the light you got, that's bad. Hmm. And then he uses one last thing, and he calls, it, he calls it to us down here in verse 24. 
No man can serve two masters. Now he's telling us the truth of the story. These aren't, these are, these aren't just boxes that you're investing in. These are gods you're serving. And that's why he points out, he calls it God, and he uses a personified name for this, mammon. He could just say stuff. He could just say, you know, worthless treasure. No, he calls it a personified, an idol. That's what he calls it, an idol. You can serve God or you can serve this idol over here. Who, who, gives, the, who gives me direction over here? Me. That's the only place direction comes from. Who gives, who gives light and direction over here when I come to this box? Yeah. If, if I come over here, you know what begins to guide my decisions? Mammon. Stuff. I start making my decisions based upon my stuff. The keepsakes of my heart. Come on. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The stuff that I want, my, my prestige, my position at my job, my, um, my confidence in my own ability to do my job, my, uh, my feeling that I am a good person, my feeling that I can contribute to my community, the fun that I have, all those things, all the things that, that, that I strive for to make sure i got to protect my life and i got to protect myself. You know, I can't have everybody... This is, this is important to me that no one else abuses me. i got to protect myself. And all that is is earthly. Every bit of that is stuff that when we get in heaven, we're going to be going, oh, so what purpose was that in the grand scheme of things? I, I don't need to tell you, listen, I know not everybody can make outreach on, sun, on Saturday morning. I know that. People have jobs, and sometimes that's the only day you have off or other things. But I do want to ask you this question. Outreach is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a two-hour time on Saturday. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. When are you investing in that box? When? Because it's not an if, it's a when. Because you must be. When are you doing it? Well, I, uh, no excuses. No, all excuses are, come out of the earthly box. Well, I don't feel I'm good enough. Yeah, that's an earthly thing because it's a command, not a talent-based. It's not a talent-based suggestion. It's the right of God to command to servants, and it's a servant-based command. And it's what we do. Well, I'm not good with words. Well, yeah, it just says be a witness. You tell what you know. Come on now. This is no time to start... Counting the things on the floor or the things on the ceiling. Listen, I can invest here or I can invest here. I tell you, I, the temptation here in Idaho to, to make my yard an Arizona yard is really strong. I think probably you're probably with me. Just concrete the whole thing and paint it green. Done. No more lawn mowing. I can use that for a lot, ton better stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, and you know, listen, I, I, I think we ought to invest in the building. But why are we investing in the building? Why are we expanding the foyer? It's, it, it, listen, it should not be for our benefit. It should not be for the benefit of visitors. Listen, it should be for the glory of God, and that's it. What if God chooses to take away the building? Can we, does that mean we stop being able to give God glory as a church? No. We don't stop being a church. 
Who's, who are you serving? Because that's ultimately what it is. You can only serve one at a time. You can't serve both. You can't try to... It, so here's what this looks like. On this planet, I, I spend all my time trying to make sure that, you know, all my friends are pleased and I'm pleased and I'm happy and, and all my stuff is fixed and, you know, that I can have lots of fun and make, make sure I'm taking care. I've got to take care of my family and I've got to make sure I feel good about me and my job and I've got to have enough toys for us to do all this stuff. That's all great. <clears throat> on this planet, it all feels really heavy. If we, if we were to put these two on a scale... This, this feels really heavy right now because every day it demands, it demands, it demands, it demands. Got to have more, got to do more, got to be more, got to do this. But as soon as we get into eternity, that disappears and that's the only box left on the balance. Bam. What's in there? What is in there? And what it is is who you're serving. And who you're serving is directly tied with the light that you have in your life. When it comes to life's treasures, not the little treasures of the life and history and family, I understand those are, those are things that are important to us and, and uh, things that I think the Lord allows us to have, but we're talking about the soul treasures. The treasures that we, that we are filling our life with, that we love and enjoy and invest ourselves in, and push ourselves in. Let, let me tell you, you're only going to end up with one of these boxes in eternity. If that one's empty, that's all you got. And it's, it's poof. Where are you keeping your treasures? Where are you investing your life? Is it in lost souls? Is it in... I'm increasingly disappointed with myself and many other Christian parents with the desire to have fun and the lack of desire to make sure our kids are getting a godly training. And that's parents' responsibility according to Scripture. It's our job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the junior church teacher's job to make sure my kids know who Jesus is. That's my job as a parent. And that's an eternal investment. Where's your investment? You only get to keep one in eternity. And you can't serve two masters at the same time. So which box today is going to be your master? Which box has been your master? Father,